This is Rating Descending, where we watch IMDb's worst 250 so you don't have to. My name is Abigail Ward. And I'm Michelle St. Clair. And tonight we watched Secret Obsession. Recuperating from trauma, Jennifer remains in danger as she returns to a life she doesn't remember. Let's watch. Oh, that's a shorty. That's going to be... Yeah. Michelle, Claude said something to me the other night that's really struck a chord, and I wanted to check this with you. Okay. I have thoughts. Granted, both me and him were drunk when he said it, but he said, I'm a very, like, mask person, I guess, for a woman. Like, I like to, like, front up a lot and, like, say a lot of weird mask quips as jokes. Um, Claude said that I was the most, like, Matthew McConaughey he had ever met. Like, the person most, like, Matthew McConaughey he had ever met. And I was like, wow. what do you mean? He was, like, pure bravado. <laughs> like, pure. <laughs> no, okay, you know what? I At first, I was like, what do you mean? I mean, this is a very distinct man that is incomparable to many, and yet to be compared to Abby is a strange thing, but pure bravado? Claude's cracked it. Claude's totally yeah. nailed it. <laughs> like, absolute, like, almost, like, unwarranted ungranted confidence which i think is really funny having known you for so long it's not like when i met you you were all pure bravado like you you still had a sense of confidence about you i would say you've always have but it's not always come from internal confidence it has been like a worn like a jacket that you wear of confidence mm. And yet at some point in time over the last few years, I have watched it from completely from within. You have McConaughey. I have. Oh, this my God. This is your like, McConaissance. <laughs> <laughs> to McConaughey is to glow up. To McConaughey is to believe in yourself inherently. To yeah. McConaughey is to walk through the world knowing that even if you actually aren't, you're hot shit. You're the best. Yeah. You're incredible at everything that you do. And I think it's like, it's vital to McConaughey. And like, I think that like, unless you're being a, like a cunt to people, there's no problem with having a lot of confidence in yourself whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm proud of the fact that, and thank you for that. That's really nice. Like, I think that when I was younger, oh God, I was, I was so insecure and I, I still have insecurities, but mm. my confidence was a farce. Like it was a, it was a bluff. It was definitely a fake it till you make it situation. You were playing poker with the world and you had nothing more than a pair of twos, uh, but no one else was playing poker. It was not required to bluff. <laughs> no, <laughs> I actually just had chess. the jokers of the pack. Someone forgot to take them out. <laughs> <laughs> just a three and a joker. And you're like, go fish. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, it's it's so true. I think that like maybe I have peaked in life. If I am a Matthew McConaughey, that's that's a huge statement to make. And it's, I think he said it close out off the back of me showing him. Oh my god! And I again, know. we were drunk. I feel like I already know what this is because of how obsessed both of us are with this. <laughs> we were drunk, and I showed him Sahara with Penelope oh, okay. Cruz and Steve okay. Zahn. Like I don't think. Okay. It's, what did you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna reference his uh, Oscar winning acceptance speech when he won for Dallas Buyers Club where he told the story about how his hero was himself his childhood hero was himself and went on a long tangent about his mother's pot of gumbo that she would make for him that's right he starts his speech with all right all right all right which is like his opening lines in dazed and confused his debut role like he's just completely self-obsessed it's hard at the Oscars to make a notably ego-fueled acceptance speech and yet he 
did it. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it's off the back of Sahara. And in Sahara, he's like this rugged guy, like like sailing boats through these like waters. And he sees Penelope Cruz getting the shit beaten out of her by two men in Mali, like on the oh coast of Mali. He stops the boat and like spear, like he spears them with his fishing spear. Whoa. And like... She's like, she's just being choked and she sees like basically Matthew McConaughey dagger in hand, like fighting these two go- two guys off. And then like, there's a lens flare and he comes into view over her and he's like, you all right? Let's get you back on the boat. And I'm like, that looks like a fucking video game cutscene where like she blacks out and like wakes up on his boat. Like, <laughs> but he's like, Matthew McConaughey is such an, like an undeserving action, like hero. Like he's ridiculous. Like I find him hard to like and yet I adore him anyway. <laughs> he had that period... I always character. I always feel like it's primarily characterized by the movie Fool's Gold, a movie that has, I feel like a lot more people know it than should, and I yeah. have watched it. It is like a perfectly fine, entertaining. It's it's probably a good usage of the five out of ten <laughs> on our rating scale. Like it's fine, but it's also nothing. Where he was going from being like rom com guy to different roles, where they were like, "Can he do fun action adventure? Yeah, maybe he can do this." Yeah, we certainly know that we can lose him in ten days, but can he like really <laughs> hold a? <laughs> What's his gold really... like, huh? Yeah, that's right. I love that I showed Claude Sahara off the back of showing him National Treasure because I was like, "It's the same man." Because National Treasure, which by the way, what? I think is flawless. I think it's. <laughs> I think Hang National on! Whoa. <laughs> Lawless. Um, I, I stick by that so wholeheartedly. And Nick Cage is an action hero, is fantastic. He's so passionate. Ben Gates yeah. is so passionate about what he's looking for, about American history. It's not about the money. It's about finding, like, figuring out this mystery for his family. And there's this bit, like, he spends the whole film reciting bits of information to himself. He's like, the secret lies with Charlotte. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. He's always whispering to himself. It's great. He is always whispering. It's fantastic. I remember you showed me that movie and I was like, I see why everyone loves this. This is very fun and enjoyable, even if it's not clever. (laughs) Michelle, I'm just going to go out and let you know what? If I'm if I'm the Matthew McConaughey of action heroes, you're the Nicolas Cage in National Treasure because I can imagine you pursuing this goal, doing it with a certain level of knowledge and love for the actual um, history and intellectual like um, identity of what you're searching for, rather than than the the material benefits you could reap out of it. You know, I'd be Matthew Thank McConaughey you. fucking stabbing guys in Mali, but you mm. you would be Ben Gates f- like fucking figuring little riddles out on an old pipe. That's that's you. Thank you. I love that comparison. I feel like you've done it. Many people have tried over the years to specify the differences between Michelle and Abigail, and I think you've just done it. You're the McConaughey, and I'm the Nick Cage. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying I've McConaughey in life. I think that was just, I, I know I started this dialogue, but God, I love getting validated. You went to sleep as a caterpillar who was unsure of yourself, and then you crystallized overnight and woke up going, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of going to sleep, hey. this week we watched Secret Obsession. Nice. Yeah, uh, th- this is one of the newer movies we have. I feel like the ones that are newer and more recent are less fun because like, there's something really enjoyable about the nostalgia of an older bad film about like the visuals of an older bad film. You can like look at the costuming and like the effects, but newer bad films, you're like, this is just, and very much particularly this film, Secret Obsession, this is just trash pumped out by Netflix. Whilst I agree that 
Uh, in general, a lot of the more recent films have been like more boring than anything. Personally, I think this movie is everything that I love in a bad movie. It, it's like it represents one end of a spectrum and the other side is like Grease 2 and other like schlocky things. It really does because it's a fucking thriller. But like the, I, I didn't hate it because it's a Netflix piece of trash but yeah. it means that it's it looks pretty and it they it, and it goes quickly like it, it moves does quickly so i don't care like i was actually like i gotta say like it's trashy but i was like engaged like i followed the story the entire way through maybe because it was such a predictable story yeah i didn't feel confused or overwhelmed at any point i was like all right i know exactly what's gonna happen but i was still like watching the entire thing quite engaged I, and like this movie as you said it is predictable it is you know, the meme of I told a bot to watch a thousand hours of said genre and then this is what they came up with. This is that movie for this kind of movie, this kind of psychological thriller, which is basically just a horror movie that's not scary a lot of the time. I feel like psychological yeah. thriller is we didn't know what genre to make it. I, I gotta say as well, like it was weird watching Brenda Song being yeah. our leading lady. I expressed this. I rewatched this with Brooke last night, my girlfriend, who this will come back at the end of the podcast. This is Chekhov's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> Chekhov has a girlfriend. <laughs> Upped up, nice. That was, that was it. That was Chekhov. the prestige. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I expressed to her last night that like I like Brenda Song more than I feel like I should. Like I don't have much reason to. She was very great back in her Disney Channel days as London Tipton, easily one of the most funny and well played characters of that era of Disney Channel original TV series, and then. After that, I've only either seen her in small enough parts that I shouldn't remember them, like in Social Network or a few episodes of New Girl, where I just really liked her in that, or things that are bad. Like, I don't know why I like her. She's just charming. I like her on screen. Yeah, a lot of people seem to like Brenda Song. Look, I have a... I want to actually talk more about Brenda Song after I do the overview, because the overview sure. won't take very long. It's great to get it out of the way. You're going to make me look like a real piece of shit right there, right? Like, she's totally cancelled, she's awful, and I'm going to just have gone, like, I love Brenda Song. Yeah. Well, actually, Brenda Song (laughs) came out recently saying that the BLM movement was absolute bullshit. So why don't you fucking check your privilege, Michelle? I'm actually stopping this podcast right now. I don't want to give you a voice, all right? (laughs) She she said, I stand with Dave Chappelle and J.K. Rowling. And I'm like, no! Everything you said just got censored. So, sorry. This is just me now. I'll just run through the overview and I want to return back to Brenda. Just a quick overview about this film. 2019 film made by Netflix. 4.4 stars on IMDb. Mm -hmm. It was also directed by Peter Sullivan and Craig Wenman helped him write the screenplay as well. But, like, I looked into these guys and they got... There's nothing going on. What a shock. (laughs) Here is the overview to Secret Obsession. On a rainy night, our heroine Jennifer, while escaping an unseen attacker, is struck by a car. She wakes up in the hospital recalling nothing about the incident or her life prior. Her husband Russell takes her back to their secluded home and reminds her that her parents died in a fire two years ago, that she had quit her job, and that she rarely talks to her friends anymore. Jennifer becomes sus about Russell when she realizes he locks her in at night and manipulated their wedding photos. Meanwhile, a local detective, and by the way, I really want to talk about that detective. Oh, yeah. The, grows, yeah. S- <laughs> grows suspicious of the case and finds Jennifer's parents' rotting corpses. He finds out Russell is actually Ryan, a former colleague of Jennifer and her real husband. Jennifer finds the real photos of her husband and her memories return. She tries to escape but is caught by Ryan. The detective attempts to save her but is also subdued jennifer ends up fleeing into a nearby forest and with the help of the of the detective shoots down ryan and that's the whole film that's a pretty succinct summary and it's because it's one of those movies where not that much happens yeah 
and it was kind of refreshing. I have to say, like, the, the films that we watched were, like, the plot is surprisingly difficult to understand because mm. there's, like, five story threads and nothing is explained properly. And you're like, I feel like I'm watching this, but everything's going over my head. How, how do I feel stupid with such a stupid film in front of me? Certainly the problem in this film is not how much can I understand it. Like, the problem is not uh, how unintelligible it is. Oh, it's difficult to perceive what's going on. It is... An open book to a fault. Right from the first fucking frame, you see the husband. What was his name again? The the Ryan was his real name. R- uh, Russell. Russell. The first frame you see Russell, you're like, he did it. It's him. Yeah. He's like so <laughs> sinister. His beard is too neatly trimmed. Have you seen the poster? The poster is her looking worried and him looking back at her really sinister. And you're like, it's him. Yeah. He did it. It's the classic poster where the protagonist is in the center looking off to like say the left. And then there's mm. the evil person with like looking over their shoulder behind them, like looking towards the protagonist. You're like, great. Yeah. It get, it bothers Gives me everything away. Because there is a movie where... Uh, we just know, like, they know that we know and we're watching her figure it out, but maybe she figures out quickly, right? Like 20, 30 minutes in, she figures it out. And then it's a game of her trying to figure out how to get away without tipping him off. That's kind of cool. They did that movie for like 10 minutes right before the just the chase. And that, that was yeah. easily the best 10 minutes. But this yeah. movie is trying to do the we don't know along with her, but we know. We know the yeah. whole time. They're not subtle yeah. about it. <laughs> not at all. I mean, yeah, the the plot was like just you could see it coming a mile off. Everything was like really like hackneyed and ridiculous. My favorite scene was when Russell beats that dude up at the beginning of the film and buries <laughs> him in the backyard. And he's just like, why are you asking about Jennifer? And the guy's like, who are you? And he's like, her husband. And then he like flicks out this like little baton to beat the shit out of him with. Yeah. And you're like, he did it. It's him. But that guy also earlier, we see him arrive at the hospital right after she's left. He has flowers. It's like following him all sinister and spooky. And then we see a vaguely tan-skinned man with black hair and a beard looking angry who goes, I'm just a concerned party. And then he gets killed and never comes back. Like, he's nothing. And I don't, yeah, I didn't understand why he, who was he? Why was he a concerned party? I don't know if you looked it up, but Brooke and I, Brooke looked it up because she was very bothered by it. He's just a concerned party. Like, he was playing it total open book when he was like, I'm here because I'm concerned. That's it. There is no like, explanation. Yeah, but who is he to her? Because I couldn't find out who he was to Jennifer. He saw the crash and so then came to the hospital because he was generally concerned. Okay, so there was something in this film that I did find hard to follow, clearly. Because that was just like, I was like, who was that guy? But you I found it hard to why... follow because it wasn't anything. Yeah. It, there was no nothing to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it because, yeah, she gets back to the house and it's like, yeah, he's clearly evil. Like, now yeah. I judge you, Jennifer, because you're not picking up on how fucking weirdly sinister your own husband is. Yeah, it has the problem of, like, when we know you can have it be interesting where we know more than the protagonist, but it's really hard to not make it just feel like the protagonist is dumb. Yeah. I got to say like also quickly with Russell and we are getting back to Brenda in a moment. Yes. Really quickly with Russell, the guy that played him, Mike, Mike Vogel, I think his name was or Mark Vogel. His beard was so like neatly trimmed and like his dress shirts were so tight. I was like, I bet that guy just reeks of cologne. Like I was just so turned off. (laughs) 
every moment he was on screen. I was like, I bet he just pours cologne on and I bet he wears like the tightest little chinos. Like I just, I can't, couldn't stand the guy. Couldn't stand the guy. Yeah. And Real turn the, off. the guy that plays the actual husband, it like has very gen- genuinely, I think that was good casting because he has good kind eyes and you see him and you're like, what a nice man. He does. And like, he looks kind of similar to the evil guy, Ryan, mm. like the non-real Russell. And I was like, that's fun although maybe just all american actors do look the same because as you and i have said many times when we play celebrity heads and we we choose an actor from america with brunette hair you're like fuck it's it's impossible (laughs) are they in movies or tv series they used to be in movies and they're in tv series now oh that's all of them (laughs) shit i remember one time we were playing celebrity heads and you had chosen jim carrey and i i guessed mike myers and we realized that there was a huge overlap huge overlap in because we were even like in a beloved but critically derided Dr. Seuss adaptation in the early 2000s. That's both of them. God damn it. How is that both of them? They were a comedian in the 90s and came up for being their wild humor. That's both of them. White brunette guys. But isn't Mike Myers technically from Canada or is that the only thing that's different? Well, Jim Carrey's also from Canada. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) I can't believe that. Anyway, we're talking about the wrong actresses. Brenda Song. All right. Tell me about Brenda Song because I have so many thoughts in this movie. So I want to get through the actors. Well, really quickly, what I want to say is that Brenda Song, people like Brenda Song a lot, but I never watched The Sweet Life of like Nick and Cody. Zach and Cody. Zach and Cody. I never saw the Disney universe that she was a part of. So I'm actually like just not familiar with her at all. Or Wendy Wu, the disney channel original movie she was in which if i remember was one of the first times that uh, uh they had an asian lead for yeah wendy Wu, homecoming warrior oh nice it was great it was, it was a great one it was a good era it, it was needed all i know about brenda song after briefly looking her up is that she's married to macaulay culkin has a baby with him well that's that's neat okay i yeah cool i wow that's the kind of thing that i'm like it doesn't upset me it surprises me and i don't know why it would I went down this weird rabbit hole where I was like looking up fucking Brenda Song and then I was looking at Macaulay Culkin. So then I was looking at Mila Kunis or Mila Kunis and then I was looking up Ashton Kutcher. Wait, how about yeah, Ashton the, Kutcher. Wait, also how another brunette American actor that would be really hard to identify in celebrity heads, which is, again, our, my new favorite category of this podcast. He seems like a really just like decent dude. Like yeah. just from everything I've seen, like he seems like a really wholesome family man. That's neat. He sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Mila Kunis make like the sweetest little TikToks together of them just like being happy couples, like them just like being at home together doing like cute things and them joking about reading articles about they how they've just broken up. It's very sweet. It's very wholesome. That's sweet. But back to Brenda Song. I'm not familiar with her very much. So this is like really one of the first things I've actually watched her in. Not impressed. She has a really nice husky voice. That's kind of all I've got to say about her. Yeah, I like her voice. And and shiny hair. I disagree because this is a movie, like, for one thing, you don't read this script and think, I can't phone it in, right? Like, it's, it's obvious from the outset that this isn't a great movie. So she didn't need to try very hard. I feel like she was doing a good job. It's hard to do a good job with, like, absolutely turgid dialogue, but there's, like, parts at the end, like, when he's broken her foot... And then he's putting pressure on it to make her say, make her promise that she won't try and escape again. Normally in a movie like that, they'd go, ah, ow, ah, ah. And it'd still be like trying to look really hot while being in pain and like making noise that are like, oh, ow. And you're like, oh, so sexy while in pain. But she was like, ah, ah, like really going for it. 
And I was like genuinely like impressed. I thought she was giving it. I agree. She was like giving Papa like grunts and screams and in the action sequences, it was pretty good. But um, I guess like this is de- probably just down to the screenwriters. Just no, no character whatsoever. Yeah. Jennifer was like the blandest woman I've ever met. I was honestly like, why is he obsessing over her? They are all the least interesting character. This is, they- it fits the horror profile of like, it's about boring wealthy people they have a giant home it's the paranormal activity phenomenon they are empty vessels they truly are but let's get back to that plot because you're right the plot is fucking bananas i like i want to talk about the detective because the detective element of the story made me laugh so hard because when i was looking into it I got it spoiled for me that the whole storyline with the detective is that his daughter got kidnapped and he never solved, like, solved the case. Because in the film, he's like, they introduce him by buying toys for his daughter. Yeah. And at the end of the film, he they wrap him up by like basically selling on the toys, which is a great idea, but it's so hackneyed and so silly and so unnecessary because he just doesn't bring any of that emotional background to the story anyway. And it's overdone too. Like it's even at the point where he then is at the office and he gets given the case and then his supervisor is like, hey, I know what day it is. And he's like, don't, (laughs) I don't want to talk about that. It's like copy, this whole movie is copy paste from other movies. (laughs) And they don't even like that, element of him doesn't even tie in with the story it's not even like he thinks of brenda as a daughter and like he's healing something <laughs> by saving her he's yeah. just got this shit going on in the background <laughs> nothing in his personal life is resolved by the fact that he finds brenda song's character at the end nothing i think he thinks he's the protagonist or maybe he thinks that this is an, an episode of his tv show like <laughs> yeah he has this whole thing and it's not important <laughs> i just love that they were like yeah let's give him this backstory and do fucking nothing with it just make it look really bizarre and stupid ridiculous he could have just been a normal detective who had it together and was just into the case like him it's not like oh because he was broken he was into it or because of that they didn't trust his opinion on the case like it's it's not even an obstacle it's just a thing that happened in his life i love a good like detective trope though Mm. My, my, my wife was killed 20 <laughs> yeah. years ago and I still haven't found the killer. Or, you know, you could go the um, diehard route. I shot a kid. <laughs> <laughs> now I work a desk job. Yeah, but the, the detective in this is just like, I don't know. It, the, I think of him as like, you know, when you like screen, sh- where you see a meme or something and it's been like screen capped 20 times and like the JPEG compression has started to really make itself apparent and totally destroy the image. He is a someone screenshotted a detective from a a different movie 30 (laughs) times and you can really see the artifacting warp the image until it's not really anything anymore. He's a pixelated meme trope for sure. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) That's a really good way of putting it. Also, I just think that he would have been improved if he was played by Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I think God. if the villain was played by Matthew McConaughey, you wake up in hospital, you're Brenda Song, and someone's over you going like, all right, sugar. And you're like, ooh, okay, <laughs> you you're my right. husband. Let's get you back on the boat. And then you black out again, and then you wake up on a boat, and it like starts running you through the tutorial of how to move your hands and walk around the room. <laughs> get you on the boat, yeah. And the thing of, like, it goes to black ju- and then very clearly takes a moment because it's loading the level, and then it goes, yeah. And you now you're in POV and you just awkwardly yeah. look around. And you hear, all right, you got to move left. <laughs> Good work. Press B to grab. Yeah. Or like you hear him like, walk, like talking in the distance and then like that little prompt comes up being like tap, 
triangle to open the door and you open yeah. the door and his voice is getting louder because he's just like directing yes. people on the boat and it's enticing yeah. you to walk into his world <laughs> we're talking about a, a, a high quality game michelle all right we're not fucking yeah. around that's not what this is this is the like game they scrapped because they're like i don't it doesn't play right <laughs> i love the idea of a video game just like based on a boat with matthew mcconaughey the whole game is you trying to just avoid matthew mcconaughey he's so fucking arrogant oh my god so it's like a horror game you're trying to run away from matthew mcconaughey on the boat <laughs> yeah. but his, his voice is that's following right you. the game just ends in the hull living. of the boat everything's yeah. everything's on fire it's just matthew mcconaughey like hulking <laughs> out being like all right all right all right <laughs> and then he's got a big old pot of gumbo going on in the back that he's going to yeah. drown you in if you don't escape him the real hero of this game is me <laughs> 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 is my is childhood me <laughs> yeah and he's holding his academy award um yeah no i did like one of the things that re- okay so just on the note of the detective story in this because what really like broke me in this there's so many strange particular components of this movie one of the things that particularly broke me is the way he solves this case which is so strange like part of the way he cracks it is he's like investigating oh how did they know that how did they verify that he was the husband and apparently because he knew that she had a back tattoo we see a photo of the back tattoo we're also you can very clearly see the reflection of her skin that suggests that it's a temporary tattoo which is such a weird choice and then he I, okay, this whole scene confused me. If you can maybe explain it, because I, I couldn't. He goes to the tattoo parlor. The tattoo artist seems very uh, cagey at first. She has a tattoo that says A in a very fancy design. He goes, can you tell me what it means? Then the tattoo artist looks in his book for that particular A design. There's a page filled with A designs, and he says, it's this one, Alan. And we're like, okay, what's Alan? And he looks it up and it's her maiden last name. Why does she have a tattoo of one of her initials? And isn't that information that like, A, it didn't end up mattering, but also Alan would have been recorded as her maiden name in any just database, any database. How did he like either when, when he looked up her married name, he would have had access to her maiden name. If the married name didn't lead anywhere, then it's a fake name. Like what's happening? (laughs) And like, as soon as he finds out, he finds out very quickly like he goes to her like he so he gets her maiden name and then he goes to her work and then finds out who her real husband is right is that like the process of elimination well, the he, steps that he goes through he goes to her childhood home the allen residence because again she has a tattoo of just her last name initial it's not ja where it's her own initials which is also really weird why would you get your own initials as a tattoo let alone just your last name but not even your last name, just the first letter of it. That's so... Why would you do that? <laughs> Fucking hell. I I didn't even want to wrap my, ma- my mind around the process he was taking to solve the case. Because when what? I went to the tattoo parlor, I was yeah. like, did I miss a couple of steps? I don't understand why he's here. And, again, and the tattoo shows- parlor sequence is bizarre. Like, the guy like that's working behind the counter has a septum piercing. He's like, yeah. hey, man, you're here like, trying to get some steel? <laughs> and it's like, you've just got a <laughs> yeah. septum piercing. Like, you're, you're not cool. <laughs> yeah, but then he flashes his cop badge, and the guy immediately goes, okay, and then just pulls out the book. <laughs> he shuts yeah. the fuck up instantly. <laughs> Yeah, what if you got a tattoo that was a W and people were like, what is that? And you're like, Ward, my own last name. (laughs) Ward. It's 
so weird. And then, yeah, so he goes to the childhood home. Her parents look like they've been dead for months. Don't know why no one has looked at this. Yeah, because in this timeline, like, think of, like, think of um the way the, decomposi- the decomposition on her husband in the car like he's just a bit pale and gross like smelly but then her parents are probably like eaten by flies and like rotten in their bed no but you can't bring it up without pointing out to everyone listening that what it is is that he comes home she's in the garage so it's a tense quote-unquote scene also we see her pov and she can see him so clearly it's impossible to fathom that he can't see her and like her face is just the light is all on it it's not even like her face is like in shadow and there's like a glimmer of it it's like all up in the light like you just if you happen if I walked past a dim car and saw a face highlighted in it, I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, this is the brightest horror I've ever seen outside of <laughs> Midsummer. But then he goes to the car, he opens the boot, and then we see, oh no, it's the dead body of the real husband. That's sad. And that is kind of sad. He looks at it, doesn't make an expression, and then closes it and walks away. He doesn't do anything. And again, the state of decomposition is so much less worse than the rotten corpses of her parents. And I assume that he killed her husband and her parents at the same time. Yeah, but it seems like he he killed the parents and then two months later killed her and the, the husband. And by the way, we also see he shoves the detective into a chest freezer that's also in the garage. A chest freezer that is completely empty, including no frosting over, so it's not plugged in. I don't understand this guy because... Because if he has this chest freezer for bodies, why not put your dead body in there? Why? I don't understand how the detective got out of the freezer. No, I don't either. Did I like miss something? I feel like I okay. Because when I was watching, I was like, "How do you get out of the freezer?" And then Brooke was like, "I I missed it too. I just don't think it was included. I think we see him get put into the chest freezer, and then in the final sequence where she's battling Ryan with like what Ryan's about to kill her out in the forest. Yeah, she he gets knocked off his feet by the detective, and I was like, "Yep, how? Wait, I also just realized we watch him bury the bearded guy, the." concerned party why yeah. didn't he bury the husband who was still in the car just it, this guy has no formula like he's the <laughs> worst villain also side note like if you're gonna try and pretend to be someone else and gaslight this woman into and this is not me misusing gaslight this is correctly using gaslight yeah um <laughs> and gaslight this woman into believing that you're her real husband move out of town stop running into people he runs into like five people that are like hey we didn't hear from you because you gave us a fake number and fake address and he's like although i, I gotta go home i gotta say though man like the house that they had was so nice i would also just risk everything to be able to live in it oh no it was secluded it was out of town i just have people i just start going to a different town that's what i mean go yeah you're right just stop interacting with everyone they can only find him because he stays around fucking hell Part of why I love this movie so much is my own personal connection to it. Because I actually watched this movie on my second date with Brooke. And, like, we had been friends for a while. We then went on, like, a dinner date and had a great time. And then she said, there's this new trash movie out on Netflix called Secret Obsession. We have to watch it. And it was such, like, a great time. And immediately I was like, oh, damn, someone who's into bad movies, someone who wants to have this sort of time... Like, that's, I don't know. Like, I think that was pretty indicative of the relationship that we ended up having and still have. That's so nice. By Brooke, you mean Chekhov's girlfriend, right? Not yours? Yeah, Chekhov's girlfriend. This is the, right. this is the prestige. This is the firing of the gun. Yeah, why were you gate crashing their first date? Yeah, sorry, yeah. Chekhov was going on a date with uh, Brooke to watch Secret Obsession, and then I showed up and fired my gun at Chekhov. Yeah, you do that a lot. I do it pretty frequently. That guy leaves a lot of weaponry around. (laughs) That's really sweet. I mean, that's really, like, 
That's trashy as fuck, but that's really sweet. It's crazy how many movies I have a personal connection to. Like, every week it's like, yeah, and when I was a little child, I watched this so many times, or I went on intimate romantic dates uh, to this movie. Like, what is with this? <laughs> I think you're just finding that, yeah, you have a theme of bad movies, like, trickling through your life. Yeah, I did not quite put together how tied bad movies were to the very fiber of my being until we started doing this podcast, and I'm, I'm glad at the payoff that's happening. Did you want to hear some trivia? Oh, sure. IMDb Trivia! So I don't have very much trivia for this film. Like, as I mentioned, sadly, a, na- a Netflix film just doesn't... There's nothing really remarkable about it because it's mm. a quick production. <laughs> it's it's a, it's not a very high-budget production. And, yeah, Netflix yeah. just pumps shit out like this all the time. They're, they're pretty seamless projects, to be honest. This is my one piece of trivia for you, and it made me really angry. Oh. In just 28 days... 40 million viewers tuned in to Secret Obsession, putting it in the top 10 most viewed Netflix originals ever. According to a lot of comments, they were hoping to see Brenda Song naked. Oh, boy. I was already yeah. upset. That's that's a that's a bummer. That's yeah. really upsetting. Men, I, I, look, a lot of people, like, I, I'm, no, I'm just going to say men. Men have this, like, really fucking awful relationship with a lot of movies and TV because they often use it to just see their favorite actresses naked. It's not even like, I'm not even kidding. Like I've met a couple of guys that have been like, oh yeah, I just watched this because I wanted to see her tits and I know that she gets naked in this film. And I'm like, what? What what I want, if there's any listeners who are feeling attacked personally by this, I want to actually genuinely implore to you, like re-examine your own relationship with this behavior because if you just want to see naked women or beautiful naked women or even just tits, it's so easily available online consensually. Yeah. Why this specific person? Because if it's just that they're very attractive, again, very attractive women, very publicly available online, it is entirely about like the forbidden invasion of privacy kind of aspect of it and i really want you to re-examine your behavior and involvement with this like why are you compelled to do this 100 percent. it's like when if you're the kind of person where you hear about a celebrity's nude leaks and you seek them out fuck you like Mm. fuck you like they are clearly not okay with that that is an invasion of their privacy it is non-consensual content you shouldn't be seeking it out that is just that is like a level of fucked up and i think that with a lot of actresses there like if you're watching films for that reason you're watching films for the wrong reason there is a different platform that you can get that satisfaction out of it means that just inherently you're not respecting them as an actress you're respecting them as an object for you to lust upon and desire pathetic grow up actually just grow up grow up I, I will also say, like, on a note of the first half of what you said, 40 million people tuned in to watch it. That frustrates me. Because this is, I feel like Netflix has found a way to, with streaming services, we've replaced the straight-to-DVD movie, right? There there was that, hey, this movie isn't great, but it's churning out a particular genre or whatever, so we'll just put it straight-to-DVD and people can rent it and we'll make bank that way, Right. And then streaming services, like, the problem is that they're just making straight-to-DVD movies, but they're making them and promoting them as if they're real movies, (laughs) and that's this movie. Um, But, like, 40 million people, like, imagine what that translates to in terms of box office, right? If everyone paid a ticket to a cinema. Now, not everyone would necessarily pay a full-price movie ticket, but it's outrageously frustrating considering how much they don't pay their crew, how much they 
weasel their way out of fucking contracts, how much they aren't pumping that money into smaller cinema and then not like archiving at the very least. Like Netflix could be such a different thing than it is. And they're apparently getting 40 million people to watch Secret Obsession that would fundamentally change the fortunes of a film studio if it was a theatrical release watched by that many people. It's crazy. By the time this is released, the IATSE, the America's main uh, crew union, will be on strike in their first strike in their 124-year history. Wow. Specifically against Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and a lot of the streamers because they deem themselves new media so that they can weasel their way out of fucking network pay. And so people are working like 14, 16-hour days for less money with less protections. Netflix... You're making enough money to do it. We know. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think I I fucking hate this film because it's another example of net, like Netflix churning out absolute trash with a lack of care and a lack of care, not just for the story and for the audience, um, just for the actual like cast and crew that are probably part of this as well. Mm. And they're getting rewarded for it. People are tuning in. People are watching this trash. And like Which, obviously also for the wrong reasons. And it's I, just fucking frustrating. Yeah. I, I mind when people are watching just to see Brenda Song naked, but I don't mind like 40 million people watching this doesn't upset me. 40 million people watching this and knowing the implications of what that would mean to a lot of people if this if that wealth was distributed that bothers me but 40 million people can watch secret obsession i think it's a funny movie <laughs> and i will it's watch a it silly again. movie but i just i the homepage of netflix often just makes me miserable because like mm. the top 10 in netflix you know last year in lockdown when everyone couldn't stop talking about tiger king the documentary series yeah even tiger king which a lot of people were like it's a fantastic it's not fantastic netflix pushed it as a show to watch people netflix stirred up excitement over it and people just jumped onto a trend because the documentary was it was not well made it was not a well-made documentary series it wasn't insightful it was an interesting case but like it just wasn't a well-made documentary series and people are just becoming more and more accustomed to lower quality content it's just fucking annoying me this is what i mean though i don't think it's necessarily that quality of content is now lower it's that this used to be pushed in different places. It was like deep on a network or straight to DVD. And like without those avenues, they're all just treated as completely equal entertainment. And it's like, oh, we kind of have to put it particular effort in. I know it, like the, the concept of low quality content is not new, but Netflix is such a haven at the moment for just low quality originals that they seem to pump out. They've got a lot of good stuff too. Don't get me wrong. But I just think that like recently, every time I've gone through Netflix and I've gone through the originals, like nothing has looked appealing. Nothing has looked fresh. Everything just feels stale and I'm getting really frustrated by it. I saw on an ad for Paramount Plus. I don't even know if we can get it in Australia, but I keep seeing ads for it. And it, it's it's some fucking show that like I wish I never heard of because the name of it, it's got like, I think Kristen Bell, who knows? Yes, it has Kristen Bell and uh, it seems like a couple others. And it's like people like looking at the front of the camera with their arms crossed going <laughs> and smirking. And it's called Queen Pins. And that name is a re- real first draft energy that reeks of let's go home by three. Like <laughs> 100%. Also, just also to tie off this, this, this has been a very long piece of trivia, but just to tie off that one piece of trivia as well. Mm. The fact that they wanted to see Brenda Song naked freaks me out because she was a child star as well and i was like i'm like i'm really concerned about the intention behind it as well it's like she was known 
to be a Disney child star. She started acting at the age of like four or six or something ridiculous. Oh, yeah. There's such a thing around it, like how there was a countdown to when Emma Watson turned 18. Oh, it's just vile. And like just thinking about like Millie, Billy, what's her name? Billy, Millie, Bobby Brown Jr. Millie, Bobby Brown. It's not. Millie, Bobby Brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor Millie, Billy, Bobby Brown. Um like the fact that like yeah she was like in she was in Stranger Things and all these people like she's beautiful like like I think people were comparing her and Billie Eilish being like which one's hotter and they were both Drake like, was like she's beautiful at the time. oh it's just creepy as fuck anyway do yeah. you want to hear some reviews I would love to let's get back to them sillies let's get back to them sillies reviews on Rotten Tomatoes the film holds an approval rating of twenty nine percent. Based on 17 reviews. Whoa! The website's critical consensus reads, while it may offer some thrills and unintentional laughs, Secret Obsession is mostly a formulaic and dumb thriller. 29% is pretty fucking high. It is really high. I think it's just because it looks slick. Like, I'm pretty sure Rotten Tomatoes, that's like, it's seven or over. Who would give this seven? Like, (laughs) it's not a seven. Here is a review that was left by Lenita Cook for KCTV5 News. Ooh. Quarter two Netflix subscriptions are down. Offerings like this would be part of the reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like you found the source to justify everything you said before about Netflix. Exactly. Jeffrey Lyles of Lyles Movie Files also said, successfully proves that patented formula of predictably cheesy yet entertaining heroin in distress films aren't as easy as Lifetime makes it appear. Which I thought was also pretty tasty. This did feel very Lifetime film. Here's a 10 out of 10 review left by The Pond. um, And I hope he's just being tongue in cheek. I don't get it. The guy provided a beautiful home for his wife. Walkout kitchen, hardwood floors, trees... The lot. What's Ooh. not like? No, what's not to like? Oh, and mm. did she even consider all the work he put into her rehab? Cooking mm. meals? What about his Photoshop skills? You think a well-rounded man like that comes along every day? Nah, no appreciation for him whatsoever. A guy mm. can't catch a break these days. 10 mm. out of 10. That better be sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of this one particular moment in it that, that just drove me insane because it's right around the midpoint where we're not yet meant to know it's him, I guess. And she is a little upset and having a bad time. And then he gets frustrated that she doesn't want to have sex with him necessarily. And then like grabs her arm and starts being directly mean to her, which is like, okay, I guess are we now meant to go like, maybe I'm suspicious of him. It's weird. But also like, like, after all the things I've done for you, I'm your husband. Yeah. It's, It's crazy. And to me, more than anything, I'm like, I don't know how she possibly goes to sleep in the same bed after that. Like, I find it hard to go to sleep when I have, like, a mild disagreement with someone, you know? He basically threatens her and is like, you're my wife, I'm allowed to have sex with you. Like, he's trying to pressure her into sex. He gets, he grabs her arm and becomes violent. And then he's just like, he, he, he basically walks out and like she go she goes she just goes to bed she just like yeah. turns around and goes to sleep and I, it's just fucking terrifying and then he goes into another room to watch her sleep through a CCTV camera it's just yeah, fuck just strange because she's right there just roll over she's right there yeah he's but, watching her and he's like good night Jennifer and it's like just stay in the room <laughs> yeah just you were already there with her it's so weird and this review is another ten out of ten and it's called this is the best. This movie is the best movie I've ever seen. This also made me cry in the last. This is such a wonderful movie, I must say. This movie is thriller and sometimes even emotional. I love this movie so much. (laughs) 10 out of 10. (laughs) A real hallmark, pun intended, of these reviews is 
how frequently they s- repeat this movie. <laughs> well, Michelle, what's your review of Secret Obsession? I mean, like, it's bad. It's poorly made. I stand by it is like someone is walking with, like, a plate of food for everyone, and then they drop it, and they go, ah, oh, and they just, like, pick it all up. And then now it's the, everything is all combined and none of it's good anymore. That's what this movie is, right? It's that sounds just, like when someone's like, they make a cheesecake, but drop it, drop it. And they're like, it's a deconstructed cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is like a deconstructed, this is a deconstructed movie. It's a deconstructed movie, but all of the pieces of it are low quality ingredients. Like everything mm-hmm. is a reflection of a reflection <laughs> where it doesn't quite look right. Um, and you can see something in the side. It does a few of my personal pet peeves as well, where like, Someone is hiding and the killer comes in and then they go to where they are and they've somehow behind them and their whole, their phone not acting like a phone. Um, The character of Ryan Garrity is played as if he is mildly bored by the whole thing. It's, it's, it's frustrating, but also supremely enjoyable in the sense that it's absolute rubbish and watching it made me laugh consistently. I think I will with this one though, have to, uh, err on the side of it's bad. So I'm going to give it a three points. Oh, you know what? I was going to say 3.2, but I think I'm actually going to revise myself and say 3.7. Oh, wow. Solid 0.5 up. Like it's bad, but we've seen a lot worse. We really have. That's exactly it. I In, in terms of my review, and by the way, I think you saying low quality ingredients really struck a chord with me because rather than it say being a deconstructed cheesecake, it's like a cheesecake in a tin that you buy, like a cheesecake in like a glass jar you buy from Coles. It's like a yeah. Coles cheesecake where it's like really low ingredients. It's oh. basically just jellyish with a really sugary base and like some shitty passion fruit coolie on top. And it's like, it's not a real cheesecake. Yeah. It's a fake cheesecake. You know what it is? It's when you go to Woolworths and buy a croissant and you bite into it and it's just bread. And you're like, it's yeah. not a croissant. It It's shaped like a croissant, but it fundamentally is not a croissant. <laughs> And it's very airy, but in a way where it just kind of disappears in your mouth. Like, there's no crunch Mm. to it. It just melts away in your mouth, but not in a nice way. In a, oh, this is really stale and it's just gone. Yeah. That kind of film. I, but the thing is, it was engaging. It was stupid, but it was pretty to look at. And Mm. I followed it the entire way through and it wasn't overcomplicated as a plot to its own detriment as well, though. Gosh, our standards have lowered. (laughs) I'd give this a solid 3.5 out of 10. Very similar to yours. I think that's a pretty appropriate score. I was thinking 3.2 or 3.7. You went 3.5. Yeah, we've nailed it. (laughs) We nailed it. Well, Michelle, that was Secret Obsession. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter under Rate Descend pod you can find us on tiktok under rating descending or you can email us at rating descending at gmail.com you could also find us on our own social media you can find me on twitter and instagram at michelle.stclair and i'm on instagram under abigail j ward also please if you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts. it really helps the algorithm and also i would like to plug uh, I made a recent appearance on the Taking Up Space podcast, which should be out by the time that this is out. So check that out on normal podcast platforms. And also you can find Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, on SBS On Demand or on DVD at JB Hi-Fi. Yes, look at all the things you have yeah. to plug. I got nothing, baby. <laughs> nothing at yeah, all. Go pretty. support Michelle. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you just plug my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you, like, Michelle's done this amazing film for Kairos, and it's at JB Hi-Fi. 
Um, Michelle, that was Secret Obsession. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching Siberia. Don't know anything about it. The only thing I know about Siberia is that it has Keanu Reeves in his later era where he can do whatever he wants, and apparently he did this. Nice. Uh, but we have Keanu Reeves the week after, so we're, you know, this is going to be like a, this, this is um, the, the Fortnite, Fortnite of Keanu. Of Reeves. Oh my god, they talk about Reeves. I didn't. Christopher Reeves. You did. I was talking about Keanu. I was talking about Keanu. Uh.